Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is January the 7th, 2022. Happy New Year, belatedly, everybody. Uh, I've been off for the last two weeks, as uh, no doubt you've noticed, but I am back, and uh, there's so much to catch up on. I thank you for joining me. I hope you all had a wonderful New Year's and holiday celebration, and I hope that all of us have a very happy, healthy, and peaceful 2022, and I'm going to ask you to make it your New Year's resolution to get involved by calling out your members of Congress, your elected representatives on all levels, making them accountable, letting them know that we're not the the blooming idiots that they've expected us to be, and by frankly having conversations with our neighbors, friends, family, the folks that we interact with have conversations, not fights, not arguments. Don't get in their face. It's counterproductive, and it's nasty, and life is too short. But we need to get our fellow Americans to understand the level of betrayal that we are facing at the hands of the government that we elected, allegedly, to represent us. We are not being represented. The best interests of America are not being represented. The idea that America no longer has borders Uh, Well, that's the stuff of nightmares that keeps me awake at night. Our borders are not about race or religion or ethnicity. It's all about national security, public safety, public health, um, and the jobs and wages of our fellow Americans. How anybody could be opposed to enforcing those laws defies understanding. And when Nancy Pelosi and the other cohorts of hers get out there and talk about her border wall, as being a wall of hatred, that's just a lot of nonsense. That is fertilizer. The border wall is not designed to stop a single person from entering the United States. It's only there to make certain that people don't sneak in without being inspected. How any rational person, especially a congressional leader or or a political leader, could be opposed to an orderly process of immigration that prevents the entry of criminals or spies, or terrorists, or fugitives from justice, um, is, is beyond comprehension. That is the big lie that has been foisted on the American people. That is all propaganda, and they've been doing it for so long that lots of Americans have come to believe in it, and it's got to stop. The border wall does not block ports of entries. It only occupies the spaces between ports of entry to funnel all traffic, people, commerce, whatever, into ports of entry so they can be screened and that so a record of the entry of people and cargo into the United States can be created. How in the world could anybody be opposed to that? Chuck Schumer, a number of years ago, proposed a federal law that would make trespassing on on critical infrastructure or national landmarks a federal crime with a five-year jail sentence. He said that trespassing in places like New York did not carry a strong enough criminal sentence, a strong enough jail sentence to deter people from trespassing. And he said trespassers are dangerous, 
He didn't care if they were, as he put it, adrenaline junkies or criminals. When you trespass, you're creating a danger to everybody. Well, people that run the border, folks, at a minimum, are trespassing. If Schumer is upset with people who trespass on landmarks and um, uh, sensitive areas, why in the world is he not opposed to aliens trespassing on the United States of America? The 9-11 Commission was perfectly clear about this, that in order to attack us, the terrorists first had to gain entry into the United States. Therefore, border security is national security. But I just want you to think about that, and we're going to be talking shortly about the so-called ghost flight. Uh, my old friend Lou Barletta, the former congressman from Pennsylvania, now he's a gubernatorial candidate from Pennsylvania, photographed what are believed to be a ghost flight arriving in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, on Christmas night. Um, truly remarkable. In the dead of night, the flight lands and disgorges passengers. And it was interesting, if you remember the news conference several months ago when Jinsaki, the president's press secretary, was pressed about the issue, she took issue with the fact that the flights were described as coming in in the dead of night. She said, they didn't come in the dead of night. They came early morning with a big smirk on her face. So we're going to have a conversation about whether 2 in the morning is early in the morning or the dead of night. Really? The bigger issue is we are clueless as to who is coming into America, and the administration is doing everything possible to block that vital information from the American people. So much for Abraham Lincoln's notion that our government would be the government of the people, by the people, for the people. Apparently, our government has become the government of the people that are able to bribe crooked politicians. There's no other way of looking at it. This is a huge risk to national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of American workers. Nothing to smirk about, hardly. But we'll get to that. What I want to start out with is closing out old business. The old business in question is an article that was published by U.S. Inc., USINC.org, U.S. Incorporated, that I uh, wrote and was published on December the 29th of last year, a week ago, and a year ago, if you want to look at it that way, it was last year. So let's clear out old business, and the title of my article was Arrest of Terrorist Suspect Highlights the Nexus of Terrorism and Immigration. And what predicated my article was a press release that was published by the Justice Department and that had one of those innocuous uh, innocuous sounding titles that was designed to obfuscate the truth about the nature of the arrest of of a suspected terrorist. So this press release was published December 20th, 2021, by the Justice Department, and the title Bowling Green Man Arrested on Multiple Terrorism Charges. So let me start out by reading to you the um, first paragraph. Kind of interesting. The federal court in Kentucky unsealed an indictment today charging a dual U.S. Bosnian citizen with providing material support to the Islamic State of Iraq and al-Sham or ISIS, a designated foreign terrorist organization. The defendant is also charged with conspiring to provide material support to ISIS and receiving military-type training from ISIS. And it goes on and says, according to court documents, on June the 3rd, 2014, Mirsad Harit Adem Ramik, 31, 
of Bowling Green, Kentucky, and two co-conspirators each departed the United States for Istanbul, Turkey, in order to support ISIS. All three then purchased tickets with cash to fly to Gaziantep, Turkey, a city located near the border with Syria. From there, Ramek and his two co-conspirators crossed the Syrian border to join ISIS. As alleged, <clears throat> after joining ISIS, Ramek attended an ISIS training camp where he received weapons and physical training and fired an AK-47. The FBI obtained photographs of Ramek in ISIS territory, which depict him wearing camouflage clothing and standing in front of a pickup truck outfitted with an anti-aircraft gun and the ISIS flag. A second photograph of Ramek depicts him holding a rifle. After joining ISIS, Ramek and his co-conspirators remained in contact with each other and discussed, among other things, Ramek's presence in Raqqa, Syria, and his use of anti-aircraft weapons to shoot at airplanes. Ramek and his co-conspirators also discussed jihad, martyrdom, and fighting for ISIS. After joining ISIS, one of Ramek's co-conspirators sent two emails to Western Kentucky University stating that he had traveled to Syria to join ISIS and expressing his desire that ISIS conquer the United States. And the article goes on, or the press release goes on, but you get the point. Bowling Green man, because he lived in Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, but in reality, immigration is the issue. Instead of saying a man with dual nationality or dual citizenship, Bowling Green man, they do this all the time. Why am I concerned? Well, there's only two ways that you could become an, a dual citizen. <clears throat> you either come to the United States as an alien and you go through the process of becoming a United States citizen through naturalization, and we give you citizenship, but you would also retain your previous citizenship in the country that you came from. The other possibility is that he was born in the United States to a mother who was actually a citizen of Bosnia. So the mother's citizenship would then transfer to the child when he's born, but by virtue of birthright citizenship, that child becomes a United States citizen by being born on American soil. Well, if the first case is the actual situation where he became a naturalized citizen, then immigration authorities ought to be scrutinizing his application for his visa to come here and the subsequent applications that he filed in conjunction with citizenship, because if he lied, he could be prosecuted and he could be denaturalized and then become subject to removal from the United States once he completes his lengthy jail sentence, presuming that he is convicted. Now, this is important. The guy is a terrorist, as charged, and if it's proven in court that he is, then you have to presume that he poses an ongoing threat to national security. The idea that at some point he may get out of jail and be put under supervised release is nuts if you have the option of removing him from the United States. Because even if he sits in a jail cell for 20 or 25 or 30 years, he's a young man. He will get out of jail young enough that he could still carry out terror attacks inside the United States. Why would you want this guy wandering around the country? <clears throat> the best solution for national security and public safety is that when he gets out of jail, you put his rear end on an airplane and you wave goodbye. And if he ever comes back after that, going along with the law that I helped Al D'Amato to write, he could be facing up to 20 years in jail for unlawful reentry as a previously deported criminal alien. The idea is to protect America and Americans. What an outrageous idea, isn't it? So if you ignore the possibility that this guy could face his loss of citizenship and be deported, 
um, then what you're basically doing is saying that this guy is going to be able to stay here forever. And if that's the case, then you're willing to accept the risk that he creates to our safety. Why? Where's the benefit? And then you have the head of DHS, Alejandro Mayorkas, and I wrote about this recently for Front Page Magazine, saying that if they find an alien lied on his or her application for citizenship, <clears throat> they will not pursue denaturalization because once someone becomes a citizen, they should feel secure in the United States. That's a lot of bunk. Committing immigration fraud in conjunction with terrorism can carry up to 25 years in jail. This isn't a game. This isn't a parking violation. Why the head of Homeland Security would blithely ignore visa fraud when we know, or naturalization fraud, when we know that was the chief method of entry and embedding for the terrorists, and not just on 9-11, is beyond belief. But this is where we are. We have an administration that refuses to secure America's borders, and not just the Mexican border. Um, you know, we are a country of 50 border states. In fact, um, Senator um, Hawley of Missouri just had to have a, a major back and forth with Mayorkas to get him, as did Langford, another senator, to get him to release the statistics about how many aliens overstay their visas once they're admitted into the United States. So we have aliens pouring into America from everywhere, and we have the Biden administration saying, we don't care, won't be worried, it's okay. Hey, it's only the immigration laws, it's only our borders, it's only national security, it's only public safety, it's only public health. But let's hire a lot of IRS agents to make sure that Americans who make mistakes or lie on their, on their tax returns can be identified and prosecuted. <clears throat> They're more concerned about Americans not paying their taxes than terrorists apparently entering the United States and embedding within our country. I want an explanation for that. I want to know where that priority comes from. You would think that the highest priority that any administration could have would be national security and public safety. So when you look at this article and the way they blithely ignore the fact that this guy was a dual national, I mean, they, they report on it, but that is not what you see when you look at the title. Now, we, we have a, a, another article that just came out, another press release from the Justice Department uh, dated yesterday, Thursday, January 6, 2022. The title of this press release from the Justice Department, Man Arrested for Acting in the United States as an Agent of the Egyptian Government. <clears throat> and this one starts out saying, a New York man was arrested today on criminal charges related to his alleged acting and conspiring to act as a foreign agent in the United States. According to court documents, Pierre Gurgis, 39 of Manhattan, acted in the United States as an agent of the Egyptian government without notifying the U.S. Attorney General as required by law. Gurgis operated at the direction and control of multiple officials of the Egyptian government in an effort to further the interest of the Egyptian government in the United States. Among other things, at the direction of the Egyptian government officials, Gurgis allegedly tracked and obtained information regarding political opponents of Egyptian President Abdul Fattah al-Sisi. As alleged, Gurgis also leveraged his connections with U.S. local law enforcement officers to collect non-public information at the direction of the Egyptian officials, arranged benefits for Egyptian officials, <coughs> pardon me, who were visiting in Manhattan, and coordinating meetings between U.S. and Egyptian law enforcement in the United States, including by arranging for Egyptian officials to attend police training. It turns out 
that Gurgis is also a dual national. So the, the whole notion of immigration didn't even show up in this press release, and the way that I found out about it was by going online and running his name and seeing where local newspapers had reported on Gurgis being, in fact, a dual citizen. Citizenship is the highest honor that a country can bestow upon a foreigner, an alien, if you will. It provides the keys to the kingdom. And the fact that this Biden administration refuses to take it seriously is chilling, to say the least. I've mentioned it before, but it's worth repeating. When our uh, special operators uh, went after bin Laden, when they attacked his compound, they seized his library. Two of the items that they seized were of particular interest to me. One was the copy of the 9-11 Commission report. <clears throat> the other thing was an application for U.S. citizenship. They didn't say whether it was filled out or what name may have been on it, but it was an application for citizenship found in the bin Laden compound when the SEAL team went in. We know that a number of terrorists, according to um, court records, were instructed by their overseas handlers to acquire U.S. citizenship and a U.S. passport before they became involved with terrorism because that U.S. passport facilitated their travel around the world and around the United States. That lesson was not lost on bin Laden, but it has been lost on too many of our politicians and certainly by the occupant of the Oval Office. He does not care, and he should, because he is charged with securing America against all threats, foreign and domestic. How can you do that when you ignore immigration, when you ignore border security? <clears throat> the bottom line, he's violating the law that way. But it gets worse. A couple of days ago, I was making myself some breakfast. It's nice being retired after all those years. Um, I had just dropped my wife off at work, and I was making breakfast. The TV was on in the background, and I caught the tail end of a report on Fox News about a co former congressman from Pennsylvania photographing a so-called ghost flight arriving in Pennsylvania Christmas in the middle of the night. The congressman was Lou Barletta. Lou is an old friend. In fact, when Lou Barletta was the mayor of Hazleton, I conducted a num number of meetings with him, and I actually was his final witness. And there's an article on Fox News, and I've provided the link. You can see it. And they referenced the trial in Hazleton, because when Lou Barletta found that a Dominican drug gang had set up shop in his quiet town and were involved with the sale of narcotics and several murders, he went to the Bush administration thinking, well, I'm a Republican mayor, Bush is a Republican president, and even aside from politics, the president of the United States should be concerned about foreign drug activity in a community that's costing people their lives, you would think. You would think. Not so much, because when he went there, they gave him a tour of the Justice Department, and it was all over with. They handed Mayor Barletta at the time a big mug with a badge on it, and they said, Mayor, we're not going to do anything to help you, but have a, badge, have a mug with a badge on it. So he went back to Hazleton. The people in Hazleton were outraged. They were afraid to sit on their own porches at night, and they said, you better do something. So he enacted ordinances that would penalize people who intentionally hired illegal aliens and people who would provide housing to illegal aliens. He was promptly sued by the ACLU. 
I was the final witness at that trial at Lou's behest. I was happy to do it. Lou became a member of Congress. He's now running for governor in Pennsylvania. But Lou, as a former congressman and one who has a reputation for being greatly and appropriately, I might add, concerned about immigration, was getting information about these flights arriving. So he and several of his people went down to the airport. They took photographs. Again, Fox News reported on this just a couple days ago, um, and, and it's disconcerting. So I called Lou up. We're still in touch with each other. And we had a conversation that lasted over an hour. And, and Lou said to me, you know, Mike, it's unbelievable because apparently these flights came in, and then the, the records of those flights vanished, miraculously, hence the term ghost flight. And they followed a couple of buses that took people off the plane and drove into Pennsylvania where they were met by cars and the cars dispersed, picking up uh, all the people that were on the buses, and one car was followed all the way into New Jersey. Now, remember, I was an INS agent, Immigration and Naturalization Service agent, for 26 years. Before that, I spent four years as an immigration inspector. So altogether, my career with the INS spanned just over 30 years. I was in every squad within the investigations branch, including the anti-smuggling unit, <clears throat> where we dealt with, with human trafficking, alien smuggling. And the operation that we're witnessing parallels the way that alien smugglers operate. They bring people into the country, and then they put them on cars, buses, trains, trucks, any which way, and disperse them to the towns and cities that they want to go to for a price. You've got to wonder who's paying for all this. Right now, we the taxpayers are paying because the federal government is operating the way a human trafficking organization would operate. <clears throat> and the argument is, well, these are children, and we're simply reuniting them with their parents. So let's understand this. If they, these really are their parents, and how do we know? I doubt that this administration is doing DNA testing. They criticized Trump for doing DNA testing when they had the unaccompanied minors. Unaccompanied minors and, and Trump said, look, I don't want to release children to what may be human traffickers. They're, we're endangering their safety. And the courts ruled, oh, no, 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 you're wasting too much time. Release them immediately. So we have no idea who these kids were turned over to. <clears throat> so here we have a case where they're supposedly releasing the children to family members in the United States. Well, if their parents are here and they're here legally, they could certainly apply for visas so they can come here as immigrants. If they're here illegally, then, of course, they can't apply for visas, and that's probably the situation. So here's what we're doing as a country. We have illegal aliens here that we refuse to deport. They're sacred cows. Can't deport them, can't do anything to them. Let's give them all the benefits they're entitled to. I mean, why bother coming here legally, right? The illegals are being treated better than anybody in the United States right now. So let's release them to their parents. And, and what we're doing is enticing more children to make a dangerous journey where many of them won't even survive the trip or will wind up being beaten or robbed or raped or all the above. How is that humane? And what's the benefit for Americans? And that's never asked. The immigrants want to come to America. The immigrants want their share of the American dream. The immigrants want to work. The immigrants want to have driver's licenses. They're not immigrants. They're illegal aliens. 
but they were very wise, and this started all the way back with Jimmy Carter when he ordered that immigration employees no longer refer to illegal aliens as illegal aliens. We're going to call them from now on undocumented immigrants. Undocumented means we can't prove who the hell they are, but why bother? It's okay. Come one, come all. And you would think in this post-9-11 world where you can't get on an airplane without basically having a physical that we'd want to know who we're putting on airplanes. Well, we have no idea who these people are, and according to what Lou told me, a number of these people weren't even children. And even if they're children, we know that they're gang members in Mexico, in El Salvador, and elsewhere, who are barely in their teens, and they're hitmen. They carry out murder on behalf of the drug cartels, and we're talking about 12, 13, 14-year-old kids. So just because someone is 12 years old don't mean that they don't pose a threat to the people in the United States. And where are they living? Within the immigrant communities. So who's at greatest risk? Children in the immigrant communities that this administration claims they're so concerned about. Think about that one. So if you look at what happened under the Obama administration with the unaccompanied minors, that was when America was inundated with members of MS-13. It was a tiny problem up until then. But because of the open borders policies of Obama, America was flooded with MS-13. In fact, I started investigating MS-13 as an INS agent back in the early 90s. More problem out on Long Island. Well, it has literally metastasized across the country, and it's resulted in tremendous violence, children being raped, murdered, beaten, intimidated. Why are we doing this? This isn't what America is supposed to be about. We've become the country of the lawless. And how that's supposed to make America appeal to people who could contribute to society is beyond me. I would argue that anybody who immigrates to the United States now is a fool. Why would you come here between the chaos of bail reform where murderers are being turned loose on the street, people committing armed robbery are turned loose on the street the same day, and illegal aliens are being revered as heroes? If ever America was turned inside out and upside down, this is the time. It has never happened in my lifetime, and I'm on the wrong side of 70. I have never in my life seen such chaos or such destruction of American society at the hands of our own government. And by the way, full disclosure, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. I'm a Democrat because I've always been a labor guy. And if you're a labor guy, how in the world does the Democrat Party reconcile its actions to flood America with an army of foreign workers? It used to be that the Democrat Party stood the most vigorously against illegal immigration, against the importation of foreign workers to protect the jobs and wages of American workers. That's the Democrat Party that I joined back when I was in college. Today's Democrat Party is the exact opposite, and it's remarkable. I wish that Donald Trump had asked Bernie Sanders when he was running for president why it is that in 2006 Bernie Sanders stood shoulder to shoulder with the AFL CIO and they all demanded that anybody who would hire illegal aliens be investigated and prosecuted by the Justice Department for undermining the jobs and wages of American workers and destroying the middle class. Well, we know that many unions today don't care about immigration. All they want are more members, which gives them more political leverage, and the members have to pay dues, so they wind up getting more money. Money and power are what they're about. It's not about what's right or what's in the best interest of their members. 
It's about money and power, just like the politicians. No difference. I'd like someone to ask the Democrats who got to them. Are they being extorted? Are they being bribed? Are they being threatened? Why is it that Bernie Sanders and all his other cohorts have suddenly flip-flopped? They've turned on a dime. I don't think a high-powered sports car could execute a U-turn faster than Bernie Sanders or Chuck Schumer or all these other characters who used to stand there pounding the podium demanding that we not permit illegal aliens into the United States to take the jobs that Americans desperately need. And add to that COVID and the fact that we're flooding America with aliens who have not been vaccinated, not been tested. We have to wear masks. We have to be vaccinated. If we're not vaccinated, we're going to lose our jobs. As a consequence, we have serious supply chain issues. So in the middle of all this, we're going to flood America with millions of foreign nationals who have no right to be here and who may or may not have been vaccinated or may or may not even be carrying the COVID virus. Someone needs to explain this because somehow this does not compute. This does not make a lick of sense. So you've got these ghost flights coming into the United States, and I believe that what the president is doing right now violates standing law, specifically Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1324. Let me read this to you, folks. I'll read part of it. It's kind of lengthy, but I think it's crystal clear. Criminal penalties. This is Part A. Any person who, knowing that a person is an alien, brings to or attempts to bring to the United States in any manner whatsoever, in any manner whatsoever, such person at a place other than designated port of entry, a place other than is designated by the commissioner, regardless of whether such alien has received prior official authorization to come to, enter, or reside in the United States, and regardless of any future official action which may be taken with respect to such alien, knowing or in reckless regard for the fact that the alien has come to, entered, or remains in the United States in violation of law, transports or moves or attempts to transport or move such aliens within the United States by means of transportation or otherwise in furtherance of such violation of law, knowing or in reckless disregard of the fact that an alien has come to, entered, or remains in the United States in violation of law, conceals, harbors or shields from detection or attempts to conceal, harbor or shield from detection, any such alien at any place, including any building or any means of transportation, encourages or induces an alien to enter or reside in the United States, knowing or in reckless disregard of the fact that such coming to entry or residence will be in violation of law or engages in any conspiracy, and it goes on. You can't legalize an alien with the wave of a stick. A magic wand. Here we are. Yes, you can come in. We don't know who you are, but you can come in. And now we're going to attempt to conceal the fact that we're moving you around the country. Why? Because this is a lousy deal for American Americans. And no, I'm not being anti-immigrant. Quite the contrary. I'm first-generation American. And as an immigration agent, I enforced and administered the immigration laws without reservation. I have no problem with our laws. We normally admit more than a million lawful immigrants each and every year. That's more than the rest of the world combined. Every year we admit tens of millions of temporary visitors, non-immigrant aliens, more than the rest of the world combined, and that's fine. But to flood America with people who have not been properly vetted, and in such numbers that it overwhelms the immigration system, is insanity, and I would argue that it's illegal. I would argue that it is a violation of the Constitution, 
uh, let me give you a little bit more food to think of. Uh, the Constitution states that the states are to be protected against invasion and domestic violence. I would argue that the entry of millions of foreign nationals who have no right to be here constitutes an invasion. And the argument that these people are all political refugees, no, they're, they're economic refugees. and There's no such provision in our laws for economic refugees. The fact that someone says, I want to come to America because I don't have work, because I'm poor, and you see the interviews all the time. They're making it clear that they're coming because they are economic refugees. I feel bad for them. They're not the enemy. The enemy is our own government that, that doesn't want to stop this from happening. And the law is very clear that if an alien leaves a country where he or she has a credible fear that they will face persecution or worse because of race, religion, ethnicity, um, political beliefs, um, or, or sexual orientation, they, they can make a claim for political asylum. Well, when someone says, I'm fearful, I live in a high-crime neighborhood, well, the people in Chicago, the people in New York City ought to be able to get political asylum somewhere, I guess. That's not what asylum is about. So when Trump said, okay, you're in Mexico, you're no longer in El Salvador, stay in Mexico while we adjudicate your application, that made sense. The courts, by the way, have upheld that. And Biden is trying to figure out a way of getting around it. Why would you want people seeking asylum to enter the United States when the odds are very poor that they will get asylum? So once they come here, if they don't get asylum, who's going to look for them? Interior enforcement is the key to immigration enforcement, not the border as much as interior. Uh, let me put it this way. Do you know how many times an aspiring illegal alien has to run the border before they succeed in getting into the United States? I asked that question to a bunch of members of Congress one day during a, an unofficial meeting, and they kind of looked at me and they said, you mean there's a number? I said, no, there's a formula. And they said, what's the formula? I said, an illegal alien or an aspiring illegal alien needs to run the border one more time than the number of times they get stopped. And what does that mean? It means that any alien willing to be stopped eight, nine, ten times will ultimately succeed. And once they come here, what happens to them? Nothing. And everyone screams about catch and release. Oh, my God, we've got to stop catch and release. Well, catch and release could actually work if there were consequences for not showing up at a hearing. If you get pulled over for speeding or running a stop sign or running a red light, the police officer can arrest you, but generally they don't. They generally give you a summons. And the summons tells you to appear in traffic court on such and such date or pay a fine before that date if you're not going to contest the fact that you violated the law. So, they, you know, it depends on the state. Every state is a little bit different. But they can wind up giving you a ticket that says, you know, you faced a $100 fine. We caught you running a stop sign. You have a choice. Pay the fine or go to traffic court on such and such date. If you, don't want, if you want to just pay the fine, you have to do so before the, the date that you're supposed to appear in court. And people will either pay the fine or the shopping court. Why? Because they know if they don't and they get stopped again, they could be arrested. They could have their cars impounded. They might face some jail time for failure to show up in court. There's a consequence. What consequence does an illegal alien face if he or she doesn't show up in immigration court? Under the Biden administration, there are no consequences. They're not looking for them. They don't want to find them. 
and they've told the agents you will not arrest illegal aliens without authorization. Stop and think about that. And the alien in question has to have convictions for serious crimes or else. Or else what? Or else they'll probably look to punish the agent who dares to arrest an illegal alien. It's so bad that immigration agents assigned to Homeland Security Investigations, which is a division of ICE, have stated they want nothing to do with immigration law enforcement. They don't want to enforce the immigration laws. They're opposed to enforcing the immigration laws, even though it's part of their job description. Why? Well, first of all, they can't attend job fairs because schools will not allow them on campus. How dare you enforce the immigration laws, you racist bigots? They're not racist bigots. If you go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, it categorizes the classes of aliens to be kept out of the United States. And I guarantee you, if you ask the average American, they will say, it says, don't let Mexicans in. Don't let in people with brown skin. Not the case. There is not a single solitary word in that section of law that has anything to do with race, religion, ethnicity. It's about aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who are severely mentally ill and are violent, aliens who are criminals, terrorists, spies, human rights violators, human traffickers, drug smugglers, fugitives from justice, aliens who are likely to become a public charge, or if they work, would displace American workers, thereby depriving Americans of a job, or having an adverse impact on wages and working conditions for American workers who are similarly employed. What is wrong with enforcing those laws? Nothing. But this massive, decades-old campaign to distort the truth has been yielding success after success. And frankly, the people on our side who want, open, who want secure borders, not open borders, um, we've not been doing a very good job. We've not been doing a very good job. And, and too often I, I see people on our side of the argument focusing uh, on the alien as though they're the problem. They're not the problem. These are desperate people. The problem is our own government that refuses to take our own laws seriously and undermining border security. And this has been going on for decades. Ronald Reagan gave us the first amnesty. He gave us the visa waiver program. He started the wheels in motion for the diversity visa, which was enacted into law under the George Herbert Walker Bush administration. And then you had George W. Bush create the Department of Homeland Security. I called the Department of Homeland Surrender that violated the enabling legislation of the Homeland Security Act. Immigration enforcement was never supposed to be split in half, Customs and Border Protection and ICE. By doing that, you create third agency problems where you can't communicate effectively or provide information and intelligence to other agencies, item one. Item two, it was never <coughs> supposed to be blended with other agencies. It wasn't supposed to be immigration and customs enforcement. It was supposed to be immigration enforcement. What he did was to essentially neuter border security and immigration law enforcement. And John Hostetler, the Republican chairman, of the House Immigration Subcommittee at a hearing, and I was one of the witnesses at the hearing, said that what the Bush administration gave us was immigration incoherence, that it was the Bush administration, George W., who made it impossible to secure the borders or enforce the immigration laws even after it was determined that terrorists violated the immigration laws in order to come here and kill Americans. Both parties that have done this to us. But it is the Biden administration 
who has completely nuked the system and fried it. The system is in deep trouble because of the actions by Biden, and there's a few members of the, on the other side of the aisle that are standing up. Hauling is one, Holly, rather, is one of them. Lankford is another one. There's a few of them that are really trying, and we need to support what they're doing to make the administration accountable. You know, the president does not have the right to not enforce laws on a wholesale level. Certainly, an administration has a level of prosecutorial discretion. But that's not what we're witnessing. This isn't prosecutorial discretion. This is prosecutorial deception. This is the abrogation of all responsibilities. And the idea that a president can unilaterally decide to not enforce immigration laws defies our Constitution, defies the way our government operates. What's the point in passing laws if a president can come into office and put a big red line through the laws and say these laws will no longer be enforced, period? Now, what's interesting about what authority the president does have, and when President Trump enforced that authority or used that authority, everyone had a meltdown. But going back to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, Section F of that section of law states the following. Suspension of entry or imposition of restrictions by the president. So while under the law the president does not have the authority to just throw open the borders and take down border security, the president has the opposite authority, to shut down immigration to foreign nationals. We can't keep American citizens out of the United States. That's ironclad. In fact, back when I was in, in training as an immigration inspector, the first position I held for the old INS, Immigration and Naturalization Service, it was clear in our training that when a person walks into your booth at a port of entry seeking admission, you do an inspection of that person. And as soon as you determine that that person is an American citizen, the inspection then ends and you're simply look, doing an examination. The language may not seem significant, but it is. An examination means an examination of the documents, but you cannot stop that person from entering the United States if you become convinced that the person's an American citizen. You don't have that authority. In fact, we've held people who are American citizens for other law enforcement agencies. Some guy comes back into the United States, and he's flagged by the FBI because he did a bank robbery, or DEA because he was a drug smuggler, or maybe the NYPD because he's wanted for murder. So you might hold him and then notify that agency, hey, you're looking for Charlie Smith, he's sitting in front of me, we've got him for you. And they'd come down and take him into custody. But we could not prevent that person from entering the United States. Aliens, on the other hand, have no inherent right to enter the United States, okay? So let me read this very brief section of law, Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182F suspension of entry or imposition of restrictions by the president, only the president, by the way. Now, here's the statute. When the president finds that the entry of any alien or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States. Let me just stop for a moment. Detrimental to the interests of the United States. What does that mean? That is as low a bar as you could possibly imagine. It doesn't say that this guy is a terrorist and he has a letter that says he's going to kill 3 million people or this guy is suffering from the Ebola virus 
or this individual has an atom bomb. And, you know, no. Just if the president determines that the entry of any aliens or class of aliens would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, that president may suspend the entry of all aliens, all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants, even if they have green cards, doesn't matter, or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. How wide-sweeping is that statement? And if you think back when President Trump initially said we're not going to allow aliens from six or seven countries to enter the United States, even the conservative networks said, oh, my God, the president is stopping aliens from Muslim-majority countries. Even some of what may be our favorite conservative programs said that. They're still saying it. Muslim-majority countries, smoking lie, had nothing to do with the fact they were coming from Muslim countries. If that was the case, why weren't Indonesia, Pakistan, and India on that list? Because those are the most populous Muslim-majority countries on the planet. It wasn't that they were coming from Muslim-majority countries. It was just another way of distorting the truth. They were coming from countries where we were unable to vet them, either because the countries were failed states or because those countries had a clear nexus to terrorism. So the President of the United States, as Commander-in-Chief, said, my primary responsibility is public safety and national security, and we're not letting anybody in if we can't prove that they're not a threat. That's entirely within the authority of the President. I'll read it again. Whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may, by proclamation and for such period as he deems necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens, all aliens, or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions that he may deem to be appropriate. That's what he did. And the renter mobs came out, and the people were screaming and falling down, and, oh, my God, and what did he do? And we were talking about 200 people who came from countries where we couldn't be confident that we knew who they are or whether or not they posed a threat to our safety. By the way, when an alien gets a visa, just so you know, it's not a guarantee of entry. But the ACLU and their cohorts came out and said, these people had visas. How dare the president say they can't come in? The president can block people with green cards from coming into the country. Think about that. And the issue is that these aliens in question came from countries that had a known nexus to terrorism. And you should know that every year the United States blocks the entry of over 100,000 aliens into this country who either have visas or are seeking entry under the visa waiver program. A visa is not a guarantee of entry. When an alien needs a visa, that visa should be thought of as a ticket that gets you in to see the inspector at the airport. I know I did that job for four years, so I'm not speaking out of my left ear. And if somebody came into your booth at the airport and you questioned him and you were really limited in time, and that was another part of the charade, you know, let's move a body every minute. Yeah, lots of luck. Well, you say to the person, how long are you going to be here? And the guy says, oh, I'm going to be here for two weeks. Do you have a round-trip ticket? No. Well, to buy a ticket that's not round-trip, if you want to go home, it's a fortune to get that, that one-way ticket. Why would you not have a round-trip ticket? How much money do you have? And the guy says, well, i got $500. You're going to be here for two weeks? 
how will you support yourself for two weeks on $500? So if you added all that up, you could turn around and say, you know what? This guy is looking to stay here illegally. Or sometimes you would go through a suitcase and, and you would find a letter of an employment opportunity, all kinds of evidence like that. Guess what we did? We gave them a choice. You're either going to get back on that airplane and go back to your home country, or we may actually hold you at a detention center so you can see a judge tomorrow morning, and the judge can decide if they want to exclude you. That's our right. Under the Obama administration, I believe I have the number proper correct. If I'm wrong, don't, don't blame me. But I, I, I somehow recall reading a while back that something on the order of 190,000 aliens were denied entry in one year by the Obama administration. So President Trump denies entry to 200 aliens, and, and these people have a hissy fit and a meltdown. But the reason I'm telling you this isn't to rehash old news, but the point is that the president has an absolute right to shut down immigration. But there is no law that says the president may, by proclamation, permit the entry of all aliens into the United States. That's the point that I'm making. The president can stop immigration, but he's not allowed to ignore immigration, which is what the Biden administration is blatantly doing. And you have these ghost flights in the dead of night. Apparently, according to what I was told, records of the flights are being destroyed after the fact. This is insanity. There's no accountability, zero accountability. Now, one of the other issues that the 9-11 Commission raised was what was known as Visa Express, where aliens could go to a travel agency in their home country, and this was going on in Saudi Arabia, the Middle East, and they would say, I want a, I want a visa for the United States. They'd fill out an application, and a travel agency would go to the U.S. Embassy with a box filled with applications and, and passports, and they'd say, please process these. The 9-11 Commission said this has to stop. People that seek visas to enter the United States must undergo an in-person inspection, in-person interview. The Biden administration now is stopping the requirements for certain categories of in-person, of in uh, certain categories of visas, rather, saying that they don't need to have the in-person interview. Again, in violation of the recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. I'd like to know why. What's the justification? So apparently, more and more aliens are entering the United States, quote-unquote, legally. The administration apparently trying to conceal how many violate their status. Uh, one of the questions that I've raised, and I hope that it will be raised by the Senate, is that they need to look at visa refusal rates, because I don't believe that this administration will stop any alien from getting a visa. It's clear that the goal of this administration is to flood America with unlimited numbers of aliens. And I'd like to know what the benefit to the average American is. In fact, that was the reason that I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine a couple of weeks ago where I, my, the premise to my article was that they ought to have to do an a, uh, environmental impact study about any immigration changes that would result in more aliens flooding into the United States. If the Democrats want to talk about the environment, you've got to realize that every person who comes into the United States creates a huge ecological footprint. It's more than a pillow to sleep on because everybody who's here needs water. They need food. They need shelter. They need electricity. They need transportation. They need access to health care. If they're children, they need education. 
infrastructure is overwhelmed in many communities. Out west, we have a serious drought. Rivers are drying up. Every person here, according to one study that I read, requires a minimum of 85 gallons of water per day. Bring in a million people, you're talking about 85 million gallons per day. And that doesn't include the water that's needed for irrigation to grow the food that these people are going to eat. So each person who comes here needs certain acreage of land on which to grow the food that they're going to consume. Now, think about the impact of millions of people on the environment. If you go back to the mid-'70s, around 1973, thereabouts, there was a little critter known as the snail daughter, a little fish the size of a paperclip. And environmentalists said, oh, my God, if you build that dam, you're liable to push that poor little critter to extinction. And for that reason, coupled with several other reasons, the dam was never built because no one wanted the snail darter to go extinct. How about the American middle class going extinct? Because we're going to flood America with millions upon millions of foreign nationals, the impact that it would have on the environment, on education, uh, on the economy, on inflation. This is the way you destroy a country. I'm not against immigration. That's not the case. And border walls make sense, but it's not just the Mexican border. And by the way, um, next time Pelosi opens her ugly mouth and starts talking about how it's a wall of hate, you know, there are fences erected around ballparks and football stadiums. Are those fences anti-fan? The fact that you have to go through a gate to buy a ticket and maybe go through a metal detector, is that anti-fan? Or is that simply about creating an orderly process so that everybody who attends can have a seat and the playing field is left intact so the players can play their game without interruption and so that the, 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 the owners of the team can get the money from the tickets that they need to pay the players. You certainly don't go to a football stadium or a baseball park by trampling through the middle of the playing area and take a seat without going through a gate. All that I'm suggesting is that it makes perfect sense to require everybody to go through a port of entry so they can be screened to keep out terrorists and criminals and aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases like COVID. But Pelosi doesn't want that. Schumer doesn't want that. And they need to explain why. Some reporter, if there was a real journalist out there, God only knows, should be asking them, Why in the world do you not want to have an orderly process where people have to go through a port of entry in order to enter the United States? When you go to the airport, you have to go through those, I call them cattle runs. You know, we go through those long snaking lines until you get to a TSA official who goes through your suitcase. They pat you down. Maybe they put you through a radiation machine, which is what I call those x-ray machines. God knows what the long-term health effects might be. But we have to go through that process to make certain that no one gets on an airplane with a weapon or might be a terrorist who might disrupt the flight. So we go through TSA, and then we get on the flight. Would you be willing to get on an airplane if you saw people sneaking past TSA? I don't think so. Yet we as Americans are being forced to live among millions of aliens who have no inherent right to be here, who evaded that sort of a vetting process that we conducted ports of entry. And Nancy Pelosi apparently does not want people screened coming into the United States. 
And that's the question she should be asked. Hey, Nancy, why is it that you oppose the construction of a wall that will funnel people through ports of entry so we know who's coming into the country? So we know that we're not letting in molesters and murderers and terrorists, etc. Don't you care about the jobs of Americans? Why would you want to flood America with lots of foreign workers who are going to destroy the wage structure? And, and you know, quote Bernie Sanders. Quote Bernie Sanders to your friends and neighbors when he talked about how anybody who hires illegal aliens should be prosecuted because they're destroying the middle class. They're destroying wages and jobs for Americans. So where's Nancy Pelosi? Oh, it's a wall of hate. This is disgusting. You shouldn't be doing that. Really? The border wall does not block ports of entry. It simply guides everybody through a port of entry. So I guess Nancy doesn't think people should go through ports of entry. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The problem is that our side has never articulated a rational defense against her fake allegations, and it's time we did so. It's time we did so. They're focusing on January 6th. What happened January 6th never should have happened. But if they want to talk about insurrection, why aren't they talking about the people who attempted to storm the White House, injuring dozens of federal officers? Hardly a peaceful demonstration. We have to be able to believe the people who are in positions of leadership. And it's impossible to believe the likes of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all these others who absolutely are drunk with power. And and the craziest thing, folks, just think about this as a parting thought. What, What would they do to our country and what would the impact be on their children and their grandchildren? Are they that driven for power? that they're willing to destroy the very country that should be the home for their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. This is madness. We, the people, have got to speak up. We need to have rational conversations with our neighbors, and we should make that our New Year's resolution. This will be the year that we engage in meaningful conversations based on fact, not accusations, because the truth, morality, the law, they're all on our side. This should be an easy conversation to have. Let's engage in those discussions. Elections do have consequences. And simply because someone has an R or a D after their name isn't enough. We need to elect people who are committed to the Constitution and to looking out for what's in the best interests of America and Americans. It's great to be with you again today. Great to be back in the saddle again, as they used to say on those westerns I watched as a kid. I thank you for joining me. Um, I hope you'll be joining me again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Meanwhile, please check out my articles at Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. Check out my articles at usinc.org. I'll have more articles coming out in the next few days. Uh, and, And please get involved, folks. I always like to remind you, that democracy is not a spectator sport. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, be well, and please take your responsibility as citizens of this nation seriously. We'll see you next week. So long for now.